Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, Today we are going to continue on in Philippians. We are in chapter 3, and so you can follow along with me there, and it'll be up on the verse. Um, Honestly, this is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. This is a special chapter for me because God really used it to speak to me in a way that was very tangible and real in my life. And so I pray that his spirit speaks to you. And we're just going to have a little time at the end of the service just to kind of unpack. Sometimes just a, a little breath, catching our breath, having a little silence. And just being in God's presence before we just start our day. Just say, Lord, what are you going to speak to me? What in this message really stands out that I need to take or any changes I need to make? So here we go. Are you ready? We're starting. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Philippians 3 says, and this is going to be a little multiple choice question just to get you guys going, just to get you engaged. Okay, so Paul gives us this advice. He says, guys, whatever happens... He's had a lot of whatever happens in his life. He's in jail. He's been shipwrecked. He's had sickness. He's had health. He's had all sorts of of stuff. So he's actually very well qualified to give us some advice on whatever happens. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, blank. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. What do you think his advice was for the church of Philippi? Was it to suffer well for the Lord? B, share your faith. C, rejoice in the Lord. Or D, love your enemy. It was C, because you have your Bibles open. See, good, you'd have known that. That's another reason to bring your Bible to church. Isn't it interesting that he says, out of everything he could tell that church, rejoice in the Lord. That's, I'm not good at that at all the times. (laughs) When I'm sick... My first inclination is not to rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) When I'm discouraged or I'm feeling lazy or I feel frustrated or overwhelmed, I'm like, you know what sounds really good right now? It's just to rejoice in the Lord. I'm not sure that I've said that in my mind. It's like, no, I want to veg out on the couch. I want to just zone out or, you know. But Paul's advice is so applicable Because in the Bible it says, the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. And so it's in those very times that you need God's strength. You need God's help. And that's linked to rejoicing in the Lord. To rejoice in the Lord and just being, just spending time with him and just telling him how much you love him, how much he's been there for you, how you're working this through and, and sharing your fears and your anxiety with, with the Lord. That brings you strength. Putting on worship music or just finding a psalms and reading it out to the Lord. Sometimes I don't know what to say, but you know what? That's a really great place to, to start. Rejoicing in the Lord. That was Paul's advice. How applicable is that to us? There's people in here who are suffering from health. They're suffering with challenges in relationships, in the family. They're struggling with um, just overwhelming or tired or jobs, job issues, financial issues. 
Paul's advice is applicable to us. Rejoice in the Lord. Doesn't sound all that mind-blowing, but that is a great piece of advice. Rejoice in the Lord. That will really safeguard your faith. Verse 2, this is kind of a warning he gives us. And he says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those manipulators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. So heads up, people will come to you and they will try to make sense saying grace is not enough. You need grace and something else. Back then it was circumcision. (laughs) That was really popular. Um, it could be something else. And you know what? It usually sounds really good, especially in our, our American mindset, you know, like the Lord only helps those who help themselves. Like that, that sounds good, that sounds right, but unfortunately, it's not in the Bible. Because I was in a place where I didn't know how to help myself, and God started helping me first. Was that anybody else's story? Yes. See, Paul is clear like, hey, watch out for these people who speak false doctrine, who say that you need Jesus, that you need faith and something else. He doesn't, you know, you could fill in the blank there. You must be baptized. You must go to church and be a member. You must always give. You must pray at three o'clock and face this certain way all the time. Whatever it could, whatever it could look like, Paul says Jesus is enough. All those other things are good. It's great to be baptized. It's great to go to church. But when it comes to salvation alone, that's only found in Jesus Christ. And as we acknowledge him as our Lord and our Savior, and we ask him for forgiveness, it's Jesus who deserves all the credit. Salvation belongs to him. Okay, here we go. Uh, 2 Timothy, I wanted to share this verse. It's kind of relatable to this. It says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. Ugh, don't like the sound of that. They will deceive others and themselves be deceived. So people who are spreading false doctrine, and usually false doctrine always has a chunk of truth in it. But these people might flourish. They're going to come, especially in the in times they will be rampant. So Paul gives us the answer. Next verse, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do right. It's God's truth. It's his word we need to get into. Books are great. But man, there's a part of just reading God's word. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Pastor tells you to read your Bible. <laughs> but maybe you're busy. Maybe things are tight. I still think that there's ways that we can put scripture into our life. Even with the Bible app, you can, hit, you can pull up a version you like, and there's a play button, and you can just listen to scripture as you drive to work or as you drive around. Like, God's truth is it just needs to be a part of our life. It needs to be a part of our life because it teaches us what's true and helps us to realize, you know what? Is there areas in my life that I need your correction with? So I love it when we can just go through books of the Bible. And I also love topical series where it's really practical. Um, but 
That's why we want to be a church that really um, puts God's word first place. Philippians 3.8, continuing on, says this, For we who worship by, spirit, by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on Jesus, what Jesus Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul now shifts and he says, hey, look, if it's some big pedigree or spiritual clout that needs to be accomplished, I have those credentials. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, a real Hebrew if ever there was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. This was a really impressive resume back then. If you were going to gain salvation based on your merits, Paul would have, he would have passed. He would have passed. And now he's discovered something in the midst of all of these accomplishments. Imagine living your life, being taught the, the Torah, the Old Testament, and being taught all the rules and regulations, being taught all of this, and then Christ intersects your life. You see, he built his identity, put so much effort into being X, Y, Z to be good enough for salvation. But now he shifts in verse 7. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now, but now I consider them worthless, not of little value, not of some value, but of no value, absolutely worthless, because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, say garbage, so that I could gain Christ. It reminds me a little bit of what we talked about last week. You guys remember the Super Bowl verse that we shared? Galatians 2.20. That's like the pinnacle. I climbed Mount Everest Christian verse of all time. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So that my life, I live in the earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This was just an epic moment for Paul. If you could think of like everything he's built his life towards is just wiped away. And he realizes that everything he was going for became as garbage. That's like that tragic story of this amazing athlete who was trained from the... <laughs> from two and three years old to be this big football star, and then in one play, injures himself, and his football career is washed down the toilet. Like, I, I, I'm not sure what analogy to put this in because it's, it's, of a, it's of an eternal nature. It's not just what I'm going to do as a career that was washed away. It was his whole theology got turned upside down. I have a little bit of a story like that. 
um, just to be vulnerable and real with you. I, I grew up in church. <laughs> um, I said all the right prayers and, and did all this stuff. And, and God was important in my life. Um, I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to have things of the world. And so if you were to ask me when I was young, like, what do you want to do? I would, you know, spiritually, I had this clever answer. You guys ready for it? It sounds so good. <laughs> I came up with it. It says, I want to impact the world's attitudes towards generosity. Like, and what that meant is I want to be filthy rich and travel and do all this stuff and give money away and teach people how to be generous. Like, who wants to sign up for that gig? Like, that sounded super spiritual, and I get what I want to, right? And I was on this journey, and I became, I was actually pretty successful. At 20 years old, like, I had this, this sales office and different people and selling stuff, and I, I was, it was above board. It wasn't shady or anything like that, but I raised enough money, and I bought my first house. It was a townhouse in Mesa, three-bedroom, two-bath. I was 20 years old. I had my own house. I had two roommates, and I'm like, you're going to, I'm going to charge your rent, and they were paying my mortgage. Like, I was living rent-free, buying this house. I'm like, this is it. I got into real estate. I got my real estate license, and we just began to, like, buy houses, fix them up, flip them. I was selling homes, and it was just a great ride. I mean, this was years, and I'm thinking, this is what, this is God's answer in my life. Praise the Lord. Jesus, that's good. And, and I was doing good stuff. Like, I was living for the Lord. Honestly, like, I was, I was in it. And I remember I, I had this, these notebooks. I was so proud of them. I had the address right here, and I had pictures of the house. I had all the contracts. This was before Google Drive, right? So there was no such thing as that. You used to have notebooks, old schoolers in the house. Um, and, and I had this Excel, Excel spreadsheet, and I had the address, and when we bought the house, and how much I was, the rent was, and how much the payment was, the cash flow, the equities, and it was really, it was a really cool time in real estate back here in Phoenix in, you know, 2005 range, and there'd be people, remember that old book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? We'd have people coming into our office saying, hey, I want to buy investment properties, and so we'd say, hey, we can help you with this, or we could partner up with you, and we'll manage it, and so we actually had different partnerships and all this stuff. It was great, and I was so proud of this book. And I worked so hard for it. I was successful. I was doing it all right. But then what happened? A little thing called 2008. <laughs> Oops. And now my, my little notebook, the little part where it talks about how much equity, that went away. And $300,000 homes were now worth like, what, 150, 200,000? Who was there in that time? Here's the problem. I thought this might happen, and I was so smart. Like, I was the picture of leaning on your own understanding. Like, it says not to do that in the Bible, by the way. Um, I was smart. I was like, hey, if all these people have to leave, they're going to need rental houses. What's that going to do to the price of rents? It's going to go up, you'd think. But what happened is all these investors from Canada, they would just buy these homes for pennies on the dollar and put people in there for seven or 800 bucks. So now all my payments with 1500 
I couldn't keep them. I couldn't juggle them. I did the best we could. We had to foreclose and sell this and do a short sale and all these things. All of this went. That was my life. I worked so hard on that. That's where I thought I was going. God, you're answering my prayers. I, I'm doing this for you, sort of. It's comfortable, though. I like the ride. But I'm, I'm doing it for you, and it all fell in the trash, just like Paul. All the stock, stuff that I thought was important landed in the trash. And part of that was my dream of traveling, of doing missions, of doing these things, and I had to let it go. But here's the part that really bit me was that this wasn't just in the trash, gone away. You see, in my life, there was such thing as a trash bill. <laughs> Anybody had to pay to have their trash be taken out? So for me, it wasn't like these properties just went away. No, I, I had to, there was a price that I had to pay. My credit was just trashed. <laughs> my credit was trashed. I was hoping that lenders would forgive me because I couldn't afford it. But there was one that said, no, we're going to take you. You're going to pay us back. <laughs> and I had the privilege of paying them $65 every month to this law firm. And they, would, they did not go to the school of Chick-fil-A when it comes to customer service. <laughs> they never said, it's my pleasure to serve you. They never said that. They never said that. And so every month, it was like a reminder from the Lord, you better not put things, you better not put trust in things of this world. Every month, it was a reminder. And I still struggle with it. Like, it reared up like, real estate, boom, I can do this. And like, I know, I'm like, no, that, that game's not for me anymore. I need to trust God no matter what happens. No matter what I work so hard for in his name, if he wants to change it, he can change it. If he wants to transfer my dream and make it look different, he can do that. Because honestly, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, two things. If my plans would have worked, I'd have been kind of prideful. Like inside, I'd been like, yeah, I've kind of played my cards right. You should listen to my advice, right? Like I'm independently wealthy, da-da-da-da-da. I'd have been prideful. Number two, I wouldn't have had the jobs that I would have had because I needed the money really bad. And I worked at some really neat places, some nonprofits. I got to work with people, and I, God began to expand my compassion in those places. I worked for Choices Pregnancy Center. I, I did some different things like that. I ran into Lloyd and Judy and pastored a campus in Levine. I wouldn't have done these things if I would have just had a resources of funds. But God says, no, if, if you want me to be Lord of your life, then I can adjust the flow and the stream of your life as I please. And I said, okay, God, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I can't control the market. So what do I do here? Some of you might be broken. Some of you might be in situations where things are out of your control or, or this touches a nerve. This is like a trigger because, God, that one thing that I wanted you to do, you didn't come through. That person died. 
Things didn't go my way. I was really banking on this happening, and it didn't. It's hard. I will say that God is faithful and that we get a better deal. Look at this. Look at this. Um, Matthew says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Like, that's Jesus' words to us. The Bible's pretty clear, like, we're all his. We're all his. So whatever we're banking on, we need to, we need to hold it with an open hand. We need to open, hold it with an open hand. And so that's why I named this message, Trading in the Trash. <laughs> God, you can have that. You can have that because you know me and you know me with that and you know what it would look like with me without that. And I trust that you're way smarter than me. So if I get to enjoy it right now, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm going to enjoy it. But I know that God gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we get the better deal. We get the better deal. Look at this. Romans 8, 16 and 17. It's a good, this is a good day to come to church just to hear this again. The, Holy, the, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness of our spirit that we are children of God. Did you know that? God views you as his children. I know that you've heard that. But just letting that sink in. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Indeed, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. God's withheld nothing from you. He gave his very best, his son. And he calls you children. Sons and daughters, this is just, this is mind-blowing. How in the world did we land to be co-heirs or joint heirs with Jesus Christ? When we get to heaven, <laughs> we're joint heirs? What? No, that can't be. I don't, <laughs> there's nobody in this room who even understands a morsel of what that means. Even Paul. <laughs> Paul knows a lot. <laughs> Like, that is just mine. I, I was trying to think of an illustration. This is the best I could do. Um, it's like this. If, if Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon, he's kind of a, he's a wealthy guy, right? If he said, hey, Sean, here's the deal I'm making you. You need to add me to you, all your bank accounts, your car, your house, whatever you own. I want to be a joint heir with that. Like, I want to be a signer. I want to have access to all of your resources. But... I'm also going to invite you in, and you're going to be a signer on my account, on my checking account. You're going you're gonna to have all of, you're going to be a joint heir with all of my stocks, everything I own, all of my business dealings, everything like that. You're going to be an owner into that. I'd be like, yes, I don't have to pay the Amazon yearly fee ever again. Yes. I hate that fee, right? Get so used to the shipping, and you're like, oh, yeah, my fee is coming up. That would be amazing, right? That would be groundbreaking. We, your friends wouldn't even believe you if you said that. 
But God is saying, hey, look, I want to be a part of everything you do, and I'll make you a part of everything I do. That's a great deal. I don't care what kind of properties I lost or rental headaches that I missed out on. Like, to be a joint heir with God, like, that's what I'm working towards. That is a wonderful, great deal. Philippians, we'll cover the last two verses here. It says this, I want you to know Christ. I want, excuse me, I want to know Christ and to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I think the first part of that verse I like a lot. I want to share and experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Like, I want to be an Ashbury. I want to see what's going on in that revival. Praise God for that. That is amazing, right? So awesome. Like, God is on the move. And your calling, like Tony said, your calling is very critical right now. Listen to these words. Your calling and your decision to say yes to God, to choose Christ, to say, you know what? I'm willing to release this for the gain of Christ. Your calling is very crucial right now. You have a purpose in God's kingdom. You're really a missionary. <laughs> You're a missionary to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers. Like the Bible says that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. It's a really important thing. It's such an important thing. And Paul says, hey, <laughs> I want to experience the mighty power of God. But then he says, I'm willing or I also want to suffer with him. So in a couple months, we're going to have a series on suffering. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, boy. Highly attended, right? The most downloaded. No, we want to talk about blessings and good things and gifts and all these things. But Paul, like, quickly balances out. He says, no matter what, no matter what I'm in, whatever this life looks like, I'm willing to suffer, and I want to see your glory. And chances are there's a blending of both. I'm so close to God when I fast, but I hate not eating, right? Like, when I'm in a time of prayer and fasting, I'm so much more in tune with what God's doing. But I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel good. So often things that always feel good might not be God-directed, and that's okay, and that's okay. So um, as we look at this, as we close, I just I want to make an appeal saying, you know what, Lord, whatever you want to take away, whatever I have, Lord, is there something that I have to give away? Maybe it's even a fence, Maybe it's like, God, these people have hurt me. I've had church hurt. I've had other experiences where th this is not about you and streams. This is about you and the Lord. Like, what's God asking for? Is there anything in your life that he's saying, I need you to surrender this. It'll be okay. You're a joint heir of my son, Jesus. Is there anything that you need to let go of? Or is there anything that you're like, you know what, Lord? I love you, but I really love my kids. I just love my kids. But honestly, like, 
God, I trust you with my children. <laughs> he knows that struggle, believe me. He trusted his son Jesus to us. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's something that God's just knocking on. Or maybe there's a dream that you're like, I thought this was going to get fulfilled. And inside, down deep, I feel a little bit cheated. Surrender that. Surrender that, whatever it is. I want to pray and invite the worship team up. And we're just going to kind of have a mellow time right now. Because sometimes we just go into things and we don't have a chance to really kind of process. And there's another reason. You guys want another real reason too? Ryan's voice is really messed up. So, <laughs> so the band is just going to play. But I have a suspicion that no matter how great Ryan's voice is, which it is great, I know that you can pray and I know that you can worship the Lord with or without it. So this is just a space between you and God where you can say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I've hold, held on to a little too much? Is there anything that I need to be willing to let go? Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you. I just praise you for the work that you're doing. I just feel like you're on the cusp of something wonderful. And the most wonderful answer that we could say is yes. So I say yes to you. And I know there's people here who say yes to you. Yes, we trust you in our present circumstances. Yes, we trust that we'll get a job. Yes, we trust that we're not going to go homeless. Yes, we trust you with family members who we're, we're concerned about that are making wrong choices. We pray your salvation in their lives. God, let revival start in our hearts. Let revival start in our hearts, God. You are so good. Forgive us when we lose sight of your goodness and how much you've done for us already. Worthy are you, Lord. Great is your name. You can take and you can give. And no matter what side of the coin, we say yes. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you during this time. We have a prayer team here and we'll have the elders and some other people up front. Maybe you just need prayer. No matter what it is, if you're struggling, come forward. If you feel like a tugging and you just want to connect with God a little deeper, come forward. You can sit there too. But whatever God's saying, I just invite you to these altars as we, as we close in prayer.